Ernie, blow that shell. Come on. Coming to you live from a little grass shack in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It's the Junior Kekuwema Jr. Show, starring Junior Kekuwema Jr. Join Junior along with the Wayne Jorge Band as he makes any kind from Hawaii. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Junior Kekuwema Jr. Hey, welcome to the podcast, bro. Oh, man, you know, so so we go a new country, Hawaiians. We go a new country. Okay, this, bro, this is exciting. I never, you know, I was never a part of anything like, you know, like on real show, like full time, you know, because I was involved in, yeah, I was on side salad. I was, I was side action on one show. Okay, and, and no, it wasn't, wasn't a good show. Uh, I was for 18 years. I was on the radio show uh, Royal Wild and the Wake Up Crew in Honolulu, Hawaii. We was the number two show, always number two. We was a no, steady number two, and and number two was really good because number one, number two is actually like number one because the number one guys in Hawaii was so huge, but it was so number one, right? That that they started counting with us, bro. They started counting with Rory. And then, then went kind of down the line from there, right? Because, oh, bro, bro, let me tell you. So the, so the guys that was number one was Perry and Price, these guys, right? And um, uh, they're not even Perry and Price anymore. It's Perry and the guy, uh, they, they give a different name to the show. But but used to be Perry and Price. It used to be Michael W. Perry and Larry Price. And so these guys had like 300,000 listeners every morning. And uh, us guys only had, I don't know, I think we had a couple hundred thousand, right? So we was second. So we was like, we was like first actually, because number one never went down. They were so far above everybody, right? And then, and then we went, you know, sometimes we were in sleep, and you know, and then next book was right back up. They had ratings books. So now what they get is digital Hawaiians. They get digital now, okay? So we can look and we get tight. Like right now, I'm looking, and we have we have two new countries. So in all, uh. We get eight countries right now that listening, okay? Eight countries. Not the whole country, but just inside a country, right? We get some people tuning in from different cities. And, you know, word gets around, right? Word of mouth is the best advertising because these guys, you know, they probably go rapping their language to their friends, right? Hey, you heard this guy from Hawaii, you know? And the first question probably going to be like, where is Hawaii, <laughs> right? Because, bro, some of these places, I don't even know. Like the Netherlands. If you had to ask me, okay, Junior. Point on a map. Where is the Netherlands? Right? Bruh. Fail. <clears throat> Bruh, I would fail. Like, where is the Netherlands? You know, and you give me a time limit, like 10 seconds. Bruh, I would be, I would be sweating. And then right around the ninth second, I would I'd give up already. But you know, because cause the pressure on the brain, you can feel them, right, Hawaiians? You can feel them, the pressure on the brain. And then pretty soon around second number nine, you're like, I, I don't get to take them already. Right? Okay. Anyway. So, so we would like to say how's it to the Netherlands, the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, South Africa, Germany, Belgium, and can I have a drum roll, please? But this, is, this is, yeah, okay, we no more drum roll. Okay, but and in Italy, Italy, bro, 
they're famous for, I know, I know, you know, Italy is famous for the cane, right? They get spaghetti, they get uh, ravioli, right? Uh, Chef Boyardi comes from Italy, right? I think so, but I don't know. But, but, okay, maybe not, maybe not. No, but Italian food, oh, man. You know, I, I, I was working in a Filipino community, and I can tell you, when you work in a Filipino community, the Filipinos love Italian food. Bro, they love Italian Bro, they would take you to pizza, spaghetti. Bro, we used to go down to Cane, Buca di, Pep, di, Buca di Beppos, right? And, and bro, they get, like, we had Caesar salad and meatballs. Meatballs the size of the can. Oh, it was bigger than a cue ball on a pool table. Bro, it was huge. And, and, and it's all Italian. I mean, really Italian kind of stuff, right? So Italy is famous for a lot of stuff. The Catholic Church, right? Okay. The Mafia. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Catholic Church Mafia. Okay, same, same. Uh, and then spaghetti. <laughs> spaghetti. I'm going to get hate meal. You watch. Okay, and then uh, spaghetti. And they, what, they get, yeah, all the Italian food, okay? Uh, linguine, lasagna, all of that. Bro, I take my girl. We go down to this Italian restaurant all the time. She she ordered a kind, uh, what is that? Shrimps and a kind. Sometimes she ordered chicken, but um, uh, pasta. Always pasta. Yeah, pasta, bro. And, you know. So anyway, so uh, Italy is also famous for wine, which um, used to be my favorite, but I'm on the wagon right now. <laughs> I'm on the wagon. I'm enjoying the wagon. Mm-hmm. So we like to say how's it to our friends in Italy. Uh, one day, I'm going to take baby, and we're going to Italy. Um, the first, bro, the first place I'm going to take her is Tahiti. You know, because I went when I was a kid. Bro, if I would tell you guys that Tahiti story, oh, man. But but that's another podcast. That's another podcast. Because today, today we're going to talk about something different on a podcast. Uh, today, I'm going I'm to talk to you about, I'm going to talk to you about the music industry like it was when I saw it. Okay, when I was in the middle of the music industry, right? And this is why we never like get involved. Okay, so so we, I mean, we, we did want to get involved, but we never like go all the way, okay? So, so back in the day, right, they had this record company. They had this one big record company. And that record company was solid. I mean, these guys, you know, and, and there was good and bad about, you know, there's good and bad about everything, right? So, so but, but there was this other company. There was this other couple of companies coming up. I was working for one of those companies, right? And we were straight up. I can tell you right now, the company I work for, the guy that, that the kind, he passed away already. I could talk about anything. I could let you guys know any kind. But he was straight up. And that much I can tell you. Okay. But his competitor, right? So so this other company was so big. It was kind of like Perry and Price kind of stuff, right? And then everybody else was like, was like vying for, they was competing. But this other guy was so big, right? You couldn't, you couldn't even, you couldn't even hold a candle to them. There was, there was huge. Okay. And then, so, so anyway, but, but had these, these other like three, four companies that always competing against each other. I worked for one of the companies, it was called MDL Records. I, I worked for MDL Records. I'm proud to say that, that I saw everything and everything was above board and, and I was really grateful to, to, uh, the guy, Masa, who, who was the owner and he taught me about the record business. I learned more about the entertainment industry from him than, than, uh, I mean, the back end, the business end, right? I mean, I, I learned a lot from Uncle Don Ho, but that was mostly about, 
you know, the overall, the show, the, you know, how they do the show, how the stuff work, like that. The business part, Uncle Don never have time for. I mean, you know, but he, he was a busy man. He was like, he was Hawaii's greatest star. He didn't have time for sit down and take me from square one. You know what I mean? So I learned from Masa, and Masa was teaching me all this kind of stuff. And he, he teach, he taught me that how they, they put product in the stores, in the, the record stores, right? The distributor will put product in the store. And then, I mean, think about it. Like, if you guys, if you guys are old enough to remember record stores, okay? So remember, you guys remember when you go to buy the hit song, they're all out, right? They're all out. And they go, oh, coming in in about two weeks, right? And in two weeks, you go back to the store and everybody buys that song or whatever, that album. And it's, and then they sell out, right? Okay. So, so here's how the thing, here's how the thing works, right? So they put the product in the store. Meanwhile, the, the, the consultant is hitting up the, the, the radio stations and, and the program directors and, and stuff, right? The management level kind. Okay. So they're doing that. Now, let's say, let's say it's Janet Jackson. Okay. So Janet Jackson's song just came out. And now they, they, you know, and they, they go in and, and they, they putting them in all the record stores. Okay. Now they, you can buy your way onto the Billboard Top 100. You can buy it. Back in the day when, when I was, uh, when I was there, it cost $5,000. And you could pay $5,000. They would put you on a billboard top 100. And then you kind of, you kind of make your way up the, the 100, right? So what these guys do is they, they start getting the radio station program directors to play the song. Once they start playing a song, it goes up the billboard charts, right? So pretty soon the thing hit the top 20 and then they hit the top 10. Now, when the thing hits the top 10, that's when they start pushing. Okay, so they push really hard. They push hard for the thing to, you know, get played and airtime, all of that. Now, when that song keeps going up, when it goes up to, like, number five, okay, they buy back all the product from the store. So the distributor will buy them back. So if they sold it to the store for, like, $6, right, they would buy it back for $8, okay, they would buy it back for eight dollars. I think. Well, maybe the profit margin was a little smaller than that. Maybe it was. Maybe maybe they would they would raise they would buy it back for hundred fifty. I mean, dollar fifty profit, and then the stores would make that extra dollar fifty. Now you're talking about you're talking about a few hundred albums per store nationwide. That's a lot of money. So they would buy them back, right, at a small profit, and then and then so they would pull it all out of the stores and they would hold on to it. They would hold on to it until on the record end, they would get up to number two and number one. As soon as a song hits number one, there is absolutely no product in a store. It's number one and you cannot get it. You know, I don't know how many times, I don't know if this happened to you guys, but if you guys were record store people that went to record stores for your music back in the day, I, I think, you know, most of us did. Uh, not all of us. Some of us just were happy with the radio. You know what I mean? But... But somebody, some of us had to play it over and over in the car, in the house, right? So then you go back, there's no product, okay? Then you wait two weeks. So from the time it makes number one, maybe you got one more week, but there was no product the week before. For two weeks, there's no product, okay? So now you're creating a demand. Now at the, second, at the end of the second week, the song is already number one. You put it back in the stores, bam, sales just go platinum. I mean, you know, well, gold guarantee. I mean, but nationwide. So this this was the game that that they played, and 
and and you know so it was marketing it was really good marketing right and so so that was, i mean you know so so that was the kind of stuff that i learned i mean i learned all of the back end stuff you know like when you when you uh take a, a recording group you know and then and then you you know they want to be in newspapers they want their their product advertised they want all of that so uh, I mean the game has changed so much now with social media and everything technology is is very different but back in the day you know you would you would charge the the amount against the account of of the artist so a lot of artists did oh, well we never we never get paid for our album that we did you know and the reason why they never get paid is because they wanted all this they wanted to be on the radio they they wanted radio commercials they wanted TV commercials they wanted all of this the record company would go and they would buy they would buy all the advertising and charge it to the account. Then, when the account actually made sales, it would go to pay off that that thing. That the part that the part that people don't know is that if you got three or four artists, you buying the ads wholesale. You getting you getting a better deal, okay? But you charging the accounts the full price, and you you collect the off the top. You taking you taking the the difference off the top uh, for the record company. I mean, that's the only difference, and that's that's not that's called business. That's not. That's not uh, that's not anything shady, but we saw shady companies competing. Okay? So there was this group, and we're not gonna mention. You know, I don't mention names, but 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 you know, now these guys are heroes. There's several groups, and they, they, today they're heroes. I mean, these guys, these guys are being revered as legends and 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 whatever. They're putting them high on the the you know uh, on the on the ladder, whatever. But back in the day, these guys was. Druggies and drug dealers. Okay, there was there was both. Okay, not not. I mean, some of them was drug dealers. They, they wasn't druggies. Some of them was druggies, and they they was drug dealers. And some was druggies, and they wasn't drug dealers. But they was all involved. So this so this one company came up, right? And and the artist that was you know that was close to this company, right? This this guy, the guy who you know did the company, bro. He was he was. You know, taking care of these guys, right? So he was recording these guys because he had money. So these guys ended up selling drugs for him, right? So these guys was all dealers, right? And I mean, in in the entertainment world, right? It, there's a lot of that stuff. So so I mean, you know, like people people try to uh, <clears throat> bring gambling to Hawaii. They try to bring gambling, right? The biggest argument is what. Well, we don't want gambling because it's gonna lead to prostitution. It's gonna lead to this and that and that, you know. But but you know that's the same reason they didn't want to legalize marijuana, right? So uh, well, we don't want to legalize it because it'll lead to harder drugs, <laughs> bro. The harder drugs is already here. I mean, you know, and, and it was back in the day. We had cocaine and heroin back in the day. I mean, back, as far as the '60s, we had cocaine and heroin, you know. So I mean, maybe even before that, I don't know. Cocaine and heroin is pretty old. It's been around for centuries. I mean, you know. So, but but these guys, right? These guys was was dealing and stuff, right? And and so so, but well, you know, they, it's not in the local organized crimes interest, okay, to legalize all this stuff, right? Because they control this stuff, right? And you cannot control something if it's if it's legal. Anybody can buy. Why do they need you, right? Okay. So anyway, but these guys for the record company, they would go in and everything was going good. Everything was good. Bro, they had number one records. They was they was on the top of the charts of all these guys. Several of them. 
And not just one guy, not just one group, several of them, right? And everybody thought that, oh, this is a new record company, gonna be number one. And he was churning out albums like crazy, right? But it was all drug money. <laughs> it was all drug money. And so, and we was we was watching them. And so, so the thing that happens, okay, Hawaiians, I'm gonna tell you guys, it is better to do stuff the honest way. It is better to do stuff the real way. Because this stuff is like, you know, here today, gone to Maui. Ping. I mean, you know, one day they one day they riding high, the next day, federal indictment. <laughs> okay. And the feds, bro, the feds came to town and the feds just got it. When the feds nothing nothing ruins your party. Like a federal indictment. Let me tell you, okay. And it's the same thing we saw in different different cases here locally lately, right? The feds came to town, okay? You cannot mess with the feds, and they don't care who you know. You know, the feds, they're like, oh, but, you know, Larry is his uncle. It's like, Larry who? Right? They don't care. They, they don't care. I mean, so so we was always very careful that none of our enterprise dealings, um, you know, went as far as to attract any federal attention, right? But these guys, right? Oh, man. They was in the club, and, and you could spot them. They had gold chains the size of truck tow lines. You know the big link truck, truck tow line, bro. They was wearing the chains. They had the gold. They had, bro. It was, it was, it was off the chain, right? And not only that, but then there was in, there was in the public eye. There was, you know, the spotlight was shining on these guys. They were singing, and then, then after they were singing, they was in the in the back table at a club. You know, and everybody was. It was it was like it was was Vegas and it was dealing. You know what I mean? The 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 the, the, the packs of cocaine came out like they was dealing cards. I mean, doo, 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 doo. here's yours, 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 yours. Everybody went, oh, I like mine, I like mine. You know, you know what I mean? They was bringing money, so these guys was making big money, and the the main guy was the record company. Okay, so now what happens? Well, you know, th- these things happen, right? I mean, it happens. Sometimes you start making big money. I mean, I know I know guys in different industries, right? And they start making big money. Even lawyers. But I knew this lawyer used to cut lines on his desk, bro. We used to walk into his office. Well, he worked for he worked for some of my syndicate uncles. But we used to walk into his office and he would cut one line, like just like nothing. He just cut the line. He went, you know, he had the dollar bill, right? Well, but it was just like nothing. You know, he was like, oh, hey, good morning. <laughs> you know, he was like, was like, this guy is crazy, bro. Like, he's a lawyer. He's an attorney. And he just, you know, I, and we thought it was so crazy, right? Well, my uncle them, you know, they, they didn't care. And, and they never do drugs, right? They And, and the, the, the big dogs, right, generally don't do the drugs because they don't want to mess up the head. They don't want to mess up. In, and you don't want to be, you know, it's like the drug addict watching the pharmacy. You don't want to have that kind of temptation. You see what I'm saying? You don't want to have that. So so they didn't, they didn't mess around with that, right? But but that was crazy with the kind of stuff I saw. So guys in, in industries that made a lot of money, a lot of them did expensive drugs. I mean, we saw that. But in the entertainment world, oh, wow. Uh, we saw some guys that was making platinum albums they was making big time albums and and you know and they had on really big cocaine bill i mean they had a huge cocaine bill but but you know so we saw these guys and we knew it was just a matter of time sure enough the indictments came down everybody you know they got busted right and and then what happened 
Well, <laughs> then church happened. <laughs> okay, church. Okay, so here comes church into the picture, right? And church. So, so actually, this whole and this happened many times in the in the entertainment world. This it wasn't just one group or one one uh, performer. But this happened so many times, and a lot of these guys became pastors, right? And whether, you know, whether they really pastors or they just had to play the role or they just had to whatever. I mean, you know, hopefully everything was, you know, on the level. And we, we never care. I mean, you know, didn't matter to us one, one way or the other. And we was kind of happy that they, they didn't go away because they was really good. I mean, talented guys, they just got caught up with the wrong dude. That's all. They got caught up in the wrong scene, you know. So pretty soon, right? Pretty soon you see them, right? They're not wearing the gold chains. They're not. <laughs> I don't know if they sold them. I don't know what they did, but they're not like that anymore, right? And they and they humble and they, you know, uh, because I mean, come on, federal indictment. Hello. So, so they, okay. So they so they like that, right? And then and then church app. So I went to church. You know, I went to church because I had to. You know, I wanted to see like, okay. I mean, you know, I think church is good. It serves certain purposes, right? But if you know the real story behind the the symbolism right so everything is symbolism the cross every it symbolizes everything right i mean if you understand the the bible and that it's an allegory it preaches you know te- teaches in metaphor right then then okay then you you can go and you know you you can get one better message right so so the message is about the internal journey of the human being. It's not a it's not a storybook. The Bible is not a storybook. So I went to church, right? So I, I just like see, I like see what's going on. And I went to church. And I was going to this church and and um, you know the the pastor was making over six hundred thousand a year. Right? I went to the church, right? And I saw all my uncle's friends. And these are all syndicate guys. These are all syndicate guys, and they they all go church on their bikes. And their bikes is worth you know, like eighty thousand dollar bikes, they get Harley's. I mean, bro, these guys—they all tricked out. You know, they, and now they're a motorcycle club for for the Lord. <laughs> okay, and then, but I seen so many stuff for the Lord. I seen motorcycle gangs for the Lord. I seen I seen rock bands for the Lord. I seen like everything, right? And then the 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 bells kind of go off, right? Because because when I go to the church, I see all these guys. Hey, how's that? Oh, you. These guys all church now, right? And then I, and then after church, I'm leaving. I see more guys, and I'm like, "Oh, everybody converted to church." And then I had to ask myself the question, right? Did everybody, you know, like change? Did everybody change and go church, or did they just take that syndicate label, right, and change them? I mean, you know, because I do marketing, right? And I'm thinking about it. Did they just take the syndicate label? And change them over to church. Because I see all these guys in church, right? And they go, hey, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, right? Okay. So so I had that question. So I had to ask myself the question. And you know, when you ask yourself a question, sooner or later the answer will pop up. Or you're going to see the law of attraction, right? Law of attraction. You, it will be exposed and you will see it. So it didn't take long. Pretty soon we saw all those girls, you know, standing by the stage during the service, the ones, you know, they're raising their hands. They got the hands in the air like they just don't care, right? And then we found out that they were seeing the pastor, not not the main guy, not the main guy. The main guy, you know, I'm sure the main guy never, but 
they get associate pastors, right? They get all, and these are the guys that come out in the beginning of the service and they warm everybody up. They get out everybody all inspired and all emotional, right? And by the time, by the time they go into the first song, everybody's crying. I mean, <laughs> they all thinking about the Lord. Hey, bro, nothing's wrong with that. I'm not saying anything's wrong. I'm not saying anything's wrong with, with church at all. I'm just saying that, you know, when I went, I saw these guys, we knew these guys. We knew these guys. So he had to ask the question, is this real? Or, or these guys just, you know, I mean, uh, are, they, are they under a different label? You know what I mean? And, and so then we saw these chicks. And, and then we had to ask questions of some of the other guys over there. And they go, yeah, yeah, well, you know, uh, they, 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 uh, they kind of they kind of seen that guy over there. Those two over there, they seen him. You see that other one over there? She's she seen the other guy. And I'm like, wait a minute, but these guys are married, right? And they go, uh, yeah, these guys are married. But, but, you know, you cannot say nothing because, you know, that's the church. And, and everybody is bound to secrecy in the church, right? Because what they do is they call and check on you, right? You know, they, you get that call. Bring! You answer the phone. Oh, hello? Hey, bro, just, you know, just, just checking on you. You all right? You okay? Yeah, everything okay? You, you, you know, you doing all right? You know, because they want to make sure that, number one, you don't lapse back into the satanic stuff you was doing before you in church, right? And number two, that, to remind you that that they are there and they are watching you and they, they got you, right? So there's a fine line between protection and control, right? <laughs> so so, so they, 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 bro, I knew these radio guys that went to this church, bro, and it was like a cult. I mean, one cult, and these guys was all in this thing. Oh man, I could go into that one, but uh, you know, but but this wasn't that. <laughs> this wasn't that. But this was almost that. But but bro, so so pretty soon I, I decided, nah, you know what? Uh, this is not this is not my scene because I knew too many of those guys, right? And I go, okay, sooner or later. Right, they go try pull me in. They go try, you know, you know. So I'm like, nah, 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 not my scene. So, so, so I left, you know. But, but that was, you know, that that was a wake up call for me. But it does do some good, and church has saved a lot of people. I mean, church saved me at one point, not that way, but you know, Father Claude Dutille at IHS, he saved me one time. I mean, you know, well, he, he didn't really save me, but he helped me so much. Without him, but I, I don't know what I would have done. Right at, at one point, I threw away my family. I said, "Okay, I'm not gonna deal with these guys." Right, I tired take orders. You know what I mean? I mean, so and then I and then everything came back. So the law of attraction, right? You will attract who you are, and everything came back. Everything came back, and uh, and the relationship uh, mended, and the relationship was good after that, and everything came back. So so the other thing. So <laughs> talking about my family. So, so in church, right? I was, when I was really young, I got confused by church in general. Cause we went to church, right? And, and they, and the priest went hold up this thing. Cause I, I went Catholic church. I, I'm a, I'm a registered, what do you call that? Baptized Catholic, right? They would register me. They get my feet on a can, everything. The prince, you know what I mean? So, I'm kind of small now, but you know, anyway, so, so, so we used to go to the thing and the priest used to hold up the, the wafers, right? And was on big one, right? The body of Christ. And he, so, oh, okay, body of Christ, right? And we had communion. I had to go first communion, everything. So he hold them up, body of Christ, and then he, he broke them, and he broke them into pieces, and he eat them. 
And then I go, wait a minute. He's eating the body of Christ, right? Okay. And then he goes, blood of Christ, right? And he's pouring the wine, the blood of Christ. And I think to myself, hey, my grandmother drinks the blood of Christ. You see, she's always doing the blood of Christ. Like, you know, and my grandmother was, I love my grandmother. She was, she was what? Faithful, devout Catholic. I mean, everything for the church, everything. She, her whole life was all, I mean, her personal life was all about the church. Everything outside of her work and it, bro, church. She was down at church. So she was doing flower arrangements for the church. She was doing everything for the church. She was giving, I mean, you know, and they take care of the, the priests and everything that they bring them food, all kinds, invite them up the house, all kinds of stuff. And so, so we, used, and then pretty soon it kind of dawns on me, wait a minute. We're eating the body of Christ. We're drinking the blood of Christ. We're vampires, right? I'm like, bro, we're vampires. Right, so, so I, I had a hard time wrapping my mind around this. Then we went through the thing, and you know, but but funny thing at my grandmother's house, right? They would check the time. They would check the time. They would they would check during the day, right? For happy hour, the happy hour was five o'clock, and these guys they couldn't drink before five o'clock, right? Like like two o'clock. Hey, what time now? Uh two o'clock, and oh, still early. Right, and they would keep working. Right, they would keep. They did. My grandmother had like they had units. They had uh, rentals, uh, so people you you know would come and stay over or whatever, uh, like cottages, right? And she used to rent them out. So she used to be doing laundry. They used to be doing all kinds of stuff. And so they would check that they, hey, what time now? Oh, four thirty. Okay, pretty soon. Yeah, at four fifty nine, they would start pouring. And you could hear the ice cubes going in the glass. You could hear that, right? And they, and they opened the, the the bottle of the blood of Christ. I mean, you could hear all of that. You know, vodka tonics. About it. At 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 five o'clock shop, you could hear the fizzling of the tonic water on the vodka, bro. It was like five, every day, every day. So one time, I went back to my 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 parents' house, right? And this was a few years ago. And I went back, and I, you know, I, I had get, uh, I got let go from, from a radio station, and I went back, and you know, I just went to go chill at home. It was kind of embarrassing because my name was all over the TV news, and every, I mean, you know, our name was in the newspapers and TV news. It was kind of embarrassing, so I went home for chill for a few days. So I went home. I was drinking coffee and, and walking on the beach, and I had my guitar with me. I was playing music on the beach, just like I did when I was a kid. Right until until like about four thirty five o'clock, and then I, I went walk home. So I was up all night. Now you know I, I was full of coffee. So I'm yeah, you know I go just have one glass of wine and then mellow out, right? So I pour one glass of wine. So my father gets up about seven o'clock. Uh, he 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 saw me about seven. He was up earlier. He he saw me about seven o'clock, and I'm looking out the big picture window, you know, you know the living room of our house, and I'm look you know just kind of looking at the neighborhood and. You know, thinking about the old days, and and he goes, hey, he look at me, he see the the, the glass of the body of uh, blood of Christ, right? <laughs> I go wine glass. He goes, hey, hey, bro, bro. Even even when we was drinking our heaviest, we never drink at seven o'clock in the morning, right? And and I, you know, I was kind of puzzled by that, but but I thought to myself, wait, wait, why is time so important to these guys? And then I go, ah. Oh, I remember because they always had to wait for five o'clock, right? On the weekends, it was one o'clock. They had, bro, these guys had on schedule, you know? And so I, I thought to myself, boy, if you're an alcoholic, right? 
And you, you is waiting. Like, I mean, you could still be an alcoholic if you're waiting for the time. But in their mind, you did not have a drinking problem as long as you waited for the time, right? So Saturdays and Sundays, as long as you wait, 1 o'clock, then you're good, right? <laughs> if you started drinking at 7 o'clock in the morning, you had a problem, right? So I know, I know what he's thinking already. And I'm like, oh, okay, nah, no worries, no worries, Dad. No worries, I get him, you know? And then, and then if you started drinking before 5 o'clock on a weekday, okay, you had a problem. That's a, I think that was the barometer of how they could tell, right? And, and otherwise, you was good, right? After 5 o'clock, you, you could drink, you could get totally hammered from 5 o'clock until the next day, right? But if you drank at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 in the morning, you, you, you was an alcoholic. You had a problem. You, you needed help, right? And I'm like, I thought it was the funniest thing always. I thought it was the funniest thing. Happy hour, five o'clock, right? And they, man, they my grandparents was, my, my parents wasn't like that. My grandparents was like that. And I think it was the, the old school. I really think it was the old school. I never hear anybody, you know, ask about happy hour. I see guys, you know, they, they drink early. I see guys drinking like, like four or five, maybe four, three o'clock on the weekends, right? I see that. And, and, and when they pouring, right? And this is the influence they get from the grandparents. When they pouring, they go, well, it must be happy hour somewhere, right? And then I, I flash, I flash on, on my grandparents and I go, that's exactly what they did, right? That's their, that's that generation's influence. I don't know what you call them. I think, uh, you know, us guys, we're boomers. I know that, but I don't know what you call our grandparents, but. They set some standards that is pretty hard to get rid of because I can tell you one. Oh, 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 sorry, sorry, I was, I was just gonna say I can tell you one thing, bro. They don't do that anymore. All right, hey, we like to take our sponsor, Island Club and Spa. Um, brother, brother Randy and sister Jerry over there, and we wanna thank Voice Master Enterprises along with AFM Hawaii Music, featuring the music of Darren Chinen. You can find him on iTunes. Download his stuff. He's really, really good. Hey, until next time. <laughs> Wait for happy hour, okay? Five o'clock. If you drink before that, you get a problem. <laughs> I'm Junior Keiko, I'm a Junior. Aloha. <laughs>